Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. So P- Pastor Fred's been doing a, um, a series to talk about uh, like rock solid and having a rock for foundation. You're you know, settling your foundation in Jesus. Um, and how when you have that rock you know, as, as your foundation that you can't be shaken, stirred, nothing can take you off of that, that if you have that, your life is built on something concrete. And when storms, trials, and things come, that you, you can't be taken away from that. You stand firm and say, I know who my rock is, and devil, come eight or high water, you're not going to knock me off this thing. My house is going to stand. Um, and so I, uh, reading through the book of Matthews and the Beatitudes, and uh, you know, I, I just was you know, thinking, what, what's a rock? What's something that we kind of stand firm on. And, you know, a lot of people you hear talk about, well, how, how should I pray? What's, what's all, you know, prayer, some, something I need to learn how to do. Um, and a lot of times we just simply go back. You know, even the disciples said to Jesus, how, man, how do we see you doing this thing? How do we pray? Um, so I focused in on the Lord's Prayer. And uh, this is a different style for me today because what I have is like, points that kind of tie in with each part of the Lord's Prayer, and then I'm going to take one part of it and really uh, pound it home as the, I guess, the, the part of the Lord's Prayer that I feel I just want to concentrate on that's, that should be the foundation of your life. Um, and that's going to be God's will for you. Um, so if, for the first part of this, I want to do something, instead of using slides, I would like for us, and I titled this, you know, Jesus teaches how to pray. Um, I would like for us to walk through this together. Um, reading it together, and I'll break it down, like I said, section piece by piece. Let's just, let's all read the Lord's Prayer in unison today. How about it? Everybody there, we're in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, going through 13. Obviously, I know you might have a different translation through here, but I mean, I think for the most part, it's pretty consistent throughout all the translations. Nine, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. We ready? Pray then like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts or trespasses, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Pretty cool little, like, just one of those things where, you know, like a God moment. When I was out in Ohio, um, I was reading... And I came across this in my Bible reading plan, and I, I just, I, it's like I felt like God was telling me, I want you to start declaring this every day, like reading this really thoroughly every day. And I started doing it. And literally, I did it for like three or four days, and that Sunday morning at church, guess what the main message was? The Lord's Prayer. I was like, it was like confirmation that, like, uh, it just confirmed to me that something I just needed to really stay in that season and meditate on. Um, so anyway, I, I, just cool little things, you know, we noticed in, in the, the 
Lord's Prayer that the first three kind of parts are like all concerning God, who He is. And then the second part of that is kind of like about us and our petitions and requests. And I thought that's kind of a symbol right in itself as far as your prayer life, you know. First of all, in your prayer life, focus on God first. You know, when you come into your prayer life, just try to step back and say, I'm going to talk about who you are, God. I'm going to remind myself how great you are. I'm going to remind myself what you've done, you know, all the great things you've done and will do. And I think when you focus and you start there, instead of just coming in, unloading all your baggage and all your, you know, but if you start there, I think it just brings you down a level of like, like anxiety comes down, you get a level of peace. So if you start your prayer, and again, I'm using this as a microcosm, Lord's Prayer, kind of like in, you know, as your prayer life. I'm not saying every night when you pray, you just simply read the Lord's Prayer and that's it. Um, but so focus on God first. Who's God to you? What's, what's God done great in your life? Focus on that first. Give God praise, worship him. Some people like to start out before they pray, get into the presence of, you know, like through worship. You know, that's for you. Awesome. Do it. Um, so, and then the second part, after you've done all that, now I feel like when you present your request to God, you don't feel as stressed out. You don't feel as like uh, hostile and angry and like, God, I need something. I need a break. Like once you've reminded yourself who God is to you and what all he's done, I think it just brings your, your stress level down 10, 10 levels. All right, so <clears throat> first part, first line, our Father. Um, that's, you know, look at that as a relationship, you know. Um, you know, he's not some faraway God that you don't know, you know, or, or have any access to. Think about it as he legitimately is your Father, not someone else's Father. Well, I know, I know it's kind of like that, you know, I kind of just, well, yeah, he's a Father, but like, no, 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 no. Like, really have that revelation that he's a, a genuine father that loves you unconditionally, wants the best for you. Like, you know, some people in here I like to say, but like, obviously I know a lot of people have never had a good father or haven't, maybe father's never been in the picture. But for those of you who had a great father, think of that person and what all, you know, he did everything he could for you. Um, or times he went out of his way to try to, you know, do something for you, sacrificed himself. And you take all those things about earthly good fathers and then magnify it almost infinitely, and you think of God. That's, what, that's how he is for you. He looks at you as a child. And, you know, when, when you look at your own child, you don't walk around holding grudges. You know, yes, they might get in trouble, and yes, you might be upset with them, but more than that, you love them, and you want what's best for them. And you're always looking at interests. You want to protect them. Um, that's what he is for you. So we're starting out right away, just rec- that revelation, our Father, okay? Even, I think, sometimes it helps to say my Father who's in heaven. You know, say my Father sometimes. Get that personal connection. Um, and then second line is, uh, is like a, a location. Where is he at? He's in heaven. And that's where our goal is to get to. Um, you know, and one of my old pastors used to talk about this and thinking like, you know, that's, that second you declare salvation in your life, you are now a member of the kingdom of heaven. You, you really don't have to have that thought as I have to wait and die to get there, it's like you really, your soul and spirit have really now said, heaven is my home. That's, that's where I'm at. I'm kind of a member of the kingdom of heaven. And I know we're not technically there, but spirit and soul, you are there. You are a member of the kingdom of heaven. Um, and, you know, it's, the, it's like that 
comforting thing when, you know, God forbid, when some, we have a loved one pass away and it's like, my thing with I try to tell people is, you know, if they're saved, it's like they're, they're in the same home that you are in, really. We're just not there presently together, but you're in that same home, you know, or you have the opportunity to get in that same home. You know, somebody that's not saved or serving the Lord, you know, I have that a lot at my job, you know. It's like I have inmates that come in, I know, you know, I see their, whatever their denomination is, and they're like, yeah, my mom just passed away, and she was, she went to church, but, you know, I didn't go, or like, man, she, you know where she's at? She's in the kingdom of heaven, and you have the opportunity to be right there alongside of her. Like, you know, no separation ever again. Um, all right, and then this, right after that, hallowed be your name. That's like an adoration, you know. A, you're setting him apart as holy, his name. You know, I think sometimes we, we say his name kind of almost like take it for granted. You know, we say the name Jesus when we talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about God the Father. Those are like, it's just a, a reverence that, should never be taken for granted. I mean, you're talking about the creator of the universe, the creator of you, and, uh, you know, the, just the picture of perfection on earth. And it's like, again, you know, your name, Lord, when you're praying, your name is so holy. And even just me saying it is like an honor, just that I can say it, you know, that I'm not going to get struck dead for saying your name. Like, I can say it, uh, that your, your, your name's hallowed, it's holy. Um, your kingdom come. That's anticipation. Uh, and again, it's, it's, we're talking about the second coming. A lot of times you can read in that the second coming, Jesus is coming back. You know, like sometimes you hear people say, God, I can't wait for Jesus to come back. You know, I, <laughs> I want to get, get out of this mess. I want Jesus to come back. Um, but it's also, you know, talking about your kingdom come, you know, like it, it's like, Lord, come now. Like, come fill us now. Like, I want your kingdom here now. Let's bring, let's bring that kingdom to earth. And let's have our king, the kingdom now where there's no pain. Let's try to start that kingdom now. Let's not wait and just put it on the back burner and say, oh, well, one day I'll get that, you know. No, let's, let's have your kingdom come now, Lord. Let's bring it down to earth now. Um, and then your will be done. Um, and this is like a declaration, you know, like you're basically saying, Lord, I want your will to be done, um, not mine. And, the, and your will, talking about your pleasures, your desires, um, laying them aside and saying, and this is where we're going we're gonna to really go into this later, but um, just remember that we're saying when that word will there, it's talking about desires also, pleasures also, okay? On earth, this is talking about um, like a, a completeness, you know? Like we don't just say your will done in America. We don't just say your will done in Maryland, Cumberland, in the earth. Do you imagine, I, I've just kind of had that thought lately, do you imagine if each and every of the 8 billion people on the planet were really seeking God's will? Just the difference it would make in the world. Like, except, you know, that there's 1 billion. Because all it takes is a couple to not seek it that creates some chaos, let alone 6 billion not seeking it creating a lot of chaos. But uh, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and again, that's just that mindset of like, we want earth to look like heaven. And I remember, Pastor Fred, you spoke about this when I used to run Encounter. And you said, picture heaven. Like, just, and everybody go there, picture heaven. You think there's 
a lack of anything in heaven, a lack of food or peace or joy or anything? No. So if there's really no lack there, we should be praying that way here. Like, let's sure what we're doing on earth. That should be, that's like the same mindset. Like, if there's no lack in heaven, then we should be praying that there's no lack on the earth. You know, sometimes we get in that mindset of like, well, there's just not enough. There's not enough money to go around. There's not enough food. There's not enough. If, there's, if, there, if everything is supplied in heaven, then God has the same thing here. The same availabilities here. You know, when you're, when you're praying down, uh, you know, you, you need a miracle, you need a breakthrough, you're calling heaven down. Because, like, Lord, Lord, I know there's not a lack up there. I don't think there should be a lack here either. Uh, as in heaven. And give us, so it's just a humble, you're coming humbly. You know, it sounds like almost like a demand, like give us, you know, give us this. But it's more like you're coming to us just like humbly saying like, you know, Lord, we need this. It's, it's like our supplication, um, you know, Lord, we, just give us our necessities. You know, I, I need food for today, um, you know, water to drink. I don't need a fancy car. I don't need a, you know, a new boat things like that, but just give us this day, you know, give us the simple necessities we need in life. Um, and it's this day, you know, let's not, I think we're guilty a lot of times of praying a month down the road, six months down the road, a year down the road. Sometimes I think we need to settle and say, let's pray about today. Let's pray and say, what do we need today? And be, and be content there. Like not, uh, well, Lord, I'm going to need that I'm going to need this food for next week, and I'm going to need this covered. Like, I'm not saying you can't pray for things going into, but sometimes I think we, we get our minds so messed up on what's coming down the road that we forget about the simpleness of today. Uh, and the Bible even tells us, you know, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Today is going to have enough trouble. Worry about that. Like, let's not, you know. And even in James, it talks about, you know, it's almost like a sin if you're saying, I'm going to do all this tomorrow, the next week, the next week, without saying if it's not God's will, you know. Because we say that sometimes, hey, next month, and God forbid, something happens to you between now and then. You know, it's like you're already telling, you're, you're telling God what you're going to do. And God's like, well, no, you're not. We have other plans here. Um, so let's not forget, it's this day. Give us this day. Worry about today. Um, our daily bread, and we're going to go into that later in the, uh, breaking down God's will too, but it's just our daily bread. What do you need to survive? What do you, give us that, Lord. I just need, I just need my daily bread. I need something to eat, something to drink. Place to sleep, um, you know, just clothes on my back, um, daily bread, things to get us through. But we're going to talk about that uh, when we break down the Lord's will too. Uh, now we get to the good stuff. Forgive us. Repentance. That's, you know, we, I think I'm pretty confident saying that we all come to a point where you feel guilty about something you've done or said. You have this, like, kind of, Emptiness thinking, man, I, I really wronged somebody. Or maybe it's God himself. You wronged God. Uh, that's a big one for a lot of people. And you're coming to God saying, Lord, I need forgiveness because I know I did this. I said this wrong. I did this wrong. I shouldn't have done that when you told me not to. This person, I know I hurt them. I, I did something specifically to them. Um, and I need forgiveness for that. Um, and it's forgive our debts. So we're coming forward saying, like, exactly what is owed. And we know in the Bible, like, this is a big thing, I think. Spiritual or sin leads to what? Death. What kind of death? 
Physical death? Spiritual death. You go out and sin, you don't drop over dead. But spiritually, you die. And that's why you have to come back and say, Lord, forgive me. The Lord says, okay, you came forward, confessed, I'll forgive you. All right, you're not spiritually dead anymore. I just, I, I, just like Jesus came out of the grave, you just come up out of the grave. That's why I think it's, it's really important that we talk, you know, we hear people, I think, say, I don't need to, why do I need to say what I did? God knows what I did. I don't, I don't need to go confess things, right? I, I mean, well, the Bible's pretty clear on this. Sin is spiritual death. Sin means you need to be resuscitated, revived, brought back out of the grave. And the way to do that is to say, Lord, forgive me for blank, blank, whatever. Forgive me of my sins and restore me. And God says, I'm faithful, I'll do it. You come to me and say, forgive me for this, whatever, I'll do it. I'll forgive you. It's, it's, it's not that, it's, it's like, I just think it's funny sometimes, we're almost embarrassed to go before God with our sin. But the reality is, he knows everything you did. And it's like, I, and I, I'm, I'm guilty. It's like sometimes you get before the Lord, you go, Lord, I, oh gosh, came in, I'm going to say it. Lord, I, oh, I got, I, that person pulled out in front of me and I called them a bad name. Like, I shouldn't have done that. And it's like, you know, I'm almost like embarrassed. Like, maybe the Lord didn't hear me. Maybe I said it low enough that he didn't hear what I, I called them a, you know, something. Um, and, a, and a great illustration of this, and, and I'm going to use a couple people if you don't mind. Um, you know, as we forgive. So, Lord, we're asking you to forgive us. But at, at the same time, we forgive our debtors. So it's our obligation to walk in forgiveness. And one of the cool things I saw in my study Bible about this, it's, it's it talk about those that we have to forgive, is it's one who has not made amends. That means somebody has not came to you to make it right, and you're to forgive them anyway. And too many times we're sitting on our hands waiting for that person to come say, I'm sorry, or, you know, let me make it up to you. Let me buy you dinner. Okay, well, now I'll forgive you. And the Bible's saying, no, you've got to have a mindset to forgive them before they make amends to you. And if we read Matthew 18, you know, we have a man come in. Fred, Pastor Fred, I'm going to use you here, if you don't mind. And Pastor Fred... And Ray will use you. Pastor Fred owes Ray. Uh, yeah, come on up here, if you don't mind. So Pastor Fred owes Ray a lot of money, thousands of dollars. And if, 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 if we look at this in the, in the real world, let's say Ray went to Fred's house and, and did like a bunch of drywall or redid a whole his kitchen or something, and Fred's like, you know, Ray, Ray's like, hey, man, uh, you owe me money. Now, it says in the story that Pastor Fred came in and, and begged and pleaded, like, please, I don't have the money, I don't have, I, don't, I can't pay you, blah, blah. And it says this man said, your debt's forgiven. You know what? I'm wiping it out. And, like, think about that. Think about the power of that. Not like, yeah, you're going to pay back maybe slowly, but you're going to, no, I'm wiping your debt you know what? I did it. I, I did it in honor of the Lord. I love you. Don't worry about it. 
Now think about that release on Pastor Fred. Just think about that. Wow. Wow. How, like, man, think about the goodness of this person's heart. Okay, so, Ray, you, you're out of here. You know, you, you did your thing. Now, Pastor Fred says, oh, I'm, I'm forgiven. Now, here comes Phil. Phil, come on up here. Phil's walking along, da-da-da. Pastor Fred has a revelation. Hey, you owe me 100 bucks. Where's my money? Now, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Uh, Ray just forgave him of thousands, thousands of dollars. Just wiped it, gone. And Fred walks out and says, hey, man, this guy owes me 100 bucks. I want my money. And if not, I'm going to rip your teeth out and shove them down your throat. Or I'm, you know, like, think of the turnaround in your mind and heart that, that caused you to do that. And that's what, but the sad thing is, in the reality, that's what we do. We walk in this forgiveness of God that God says, I'm willing to wipe your slate clean. All you've done, all the sin, all the shame, ugliness, betrayal, times you stabbed me in the back, others, drama, you know, run your mouth, all that stuff, I'm willing to go and wipe it clean. But I want you to do the same thing. And what do we do? We walk around looking to just pound somebody because they called us a name, or we heard they called us a name. I mean, sometimes it's not even, a, you know, you don't even know if it's true. And we walk around just, just waiting, like, oh, man, I know they wronged me. Wait till I see them. Why don't you just forgive them and let it go? No, I ain't doing that. Pride. I can't do that. Why can't you do that? Well, because they deserve, I, they owe me an apology. They owe me. And you, what about God? What about God? He forgave you everything. Well, yeah, yeah, but, but, man, they wronged me. Yeah, thank you, guys. And when you really start just thinking about it, like, and, and I know this is, I'm, I'm saying a lot of things that people just know, but when you're walking around holding on to that, who are you hurting? Yourself. You're causing yourself all this stress and, and anger and your blood pressure's going up and, and like, and that person's just walking around like, they, they don't care. And you're the one walking around just like, ugh. Unforgiveness is just a bitter poison that you're just keep on, you know. And God's saying, just let it go. Like, let them go. I've wiped away your, your slate. Do the same thing. Not only is it because I, because it's good for you. It's actually healthy. Good for you. You know, one of, the, one of the coolest little things I've heard, and I'm sure people in here have heard it too, when someone has, like, hurt you and, you're, and you hold on to that, like, and you won't let it go, you're letting them live inside of you rent-free. They're just staying in there, rent-free. Like you're just waiting for that apology, waiting for them to make it right, waiting for them to do something in return. Or you're plotting your revenge, saying, I'm going to get them back. I got them. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. Life is so much better. You forgive them. Your pride takes a hit. But that's a good thing, too, because a lot of times we need our pride to take a hit. All right. And I put that under, you know, as we forgive our debtors, that's, that's showing love and mercy like God does. It's 
feeling love and mercy. You know, when you look at somebody and say, hey, man, I forgive you. In the heat of the moment, you said something or, you know, you did something wrong. I, I'm just, I forgive you. You know, like, I know that's not the real you. Because we're guilty of that a lot of times, too. You can have, you can have somebody say a thousand nice things to you or, or do 50 nice things for you. And the minute they say something that you don't agree with or like, or maybe they, you know, fail to show up for, an, I don't know, they leave you hanging, or like you're just ready to cut them off and be done with them. And it's like, I, it just blows me away. Like, and, and we're terrible in relationships too. You know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, or even like good friends. Like you can say, you can compliment or encourage somebody 50 times. But if you talk, if you say one wrong thing, that's the one thing that they'll, they'll focus on. Not the 50 times you encouraged me, but I'll focus on, well, yeah, but that one time you, you told me, da, da, da. Like, since when did the scales get so tipped that one wrong way outweighs 50 right? Um, all right, next line. And lead us. You know, that's just guidance. We're just basically saying to God, you lead us. Like, I don't, I don't want to take the wheel anymore. Jesus, you take the wheel. I don't want to do this anymore. I know where you're taking me is going to be a lot better than where I want to take. Um, not into temptation or trials. Uh, and this is kind of like, you know, a protection. You know, like, God, when you lead my steps, I know you're going to lead me to the danger zone. Yes, you might take me through a trial. You might test my, you know, faith. But you're not going to lead me right into the path of evil. You're not going to lead me down a road of just, chaos and debauchery. Um, and then from, you know, deliver us from evil, that's like holiness, righteousness. And I, I think, just was, you know, pondering on this last night, it's like, I think some of y'all need to kind of do some radical prayers. Whereas, you know, because let's face it, sometimes you get caught in a lifestyle that you're like, I really feel like I can't escape this thing. There's that person that keeps getting me in trouble, or the situation gets me in trouble. In your prayer time, and it's hard. Like sometimes, you know, we've, we've all been there. You have to cut off a person or a friend. And it's hard because you're like, I've, been, I've known this person a long time. I've been friends with this person. Now I'm supposed to go to them and say, man, I can't hang out with you anymore because you're trouble for me. It's hard because you, you genuinely care. But I think sometimes, like I was thinking, radical prayers. Like if you're really struggling with like, you know, like let's say an addiction, alcohol, something, and you're like, Man, every time I go with this person, get in your prayer closet and say, Lord, I pray that my friend's car breaks down, that they can't come pick me up. Or they, they get something, they're, they're tied up, they, we can't hang out tonight. Like, if it's so hard for you to, like, try to cut it off, pray that God will do it for you. Like, God, I pray that, you know, I, 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 just, I can't let this thing go. My dealer's coming. and I, I Pray, God, Lord, I pray that you do something. You, you take him, like, he's, he gets another phone call and he can't come to me and, like, you know, like, just get radical and say, Lord, I, I need you to come in. I'm struggling over here. I'm not strong enough to make these hard decisions, Lord. So do something crazy. Like, um, and I'm not saying you wish harm on the person. I'm saying, like, just pray that God will just do something radical to separate you. Um, and then, you know, at the end, for thine is the kingdom, or yours is the kingdom. And I just looked at that as, it's like Faith. You know, you're, you're believing that God says who he is. It's just like our simple, you know, you don't see him, you don't see God, 
It takes faith. You know, the world says, well, how do you believe in something you can't see? I do. I believe because he, you know, he's shown me who he is. and He showed me he's real and he shows me all the time. And therefore, I believe in him. Um, it's his kingdom. It's not mine. It's his. And then, and the power, it's like you think of the, the miracles, the signs, wonders, uh, powerful deeds, you know, like when you really think about that, your power, like, Lord, man, you can do anything. You don't need me. You can do anything you want in this world. It's your power. And sometimes we, I think we tend to put him in a box and we think, you know, his power only comes out in little spurts of lightning, but, like, that power is available all the time. And you know, if you hear you from me say this, I think one of the most powerful things we see is someone's life really transformed. You know, the power is one thing to see someone that's you know, blind or eyes pop open, but like, you know, AJ, can I use you again? You know, like, not to come up here, but you know, you see AJ's life completely radically transformed. That's the power of God, and it's awesome. Like when you see someone that really becomes this to this, that's the most powerful thing I think God shows. Um, and in the reverence, the glory, you know, when Moses, back in Exodus, notice, it's like kind of, he said, he didn't say, God, I want to see you. God, should, he said, let me see your glory. Show me your glory, God. That's what Moses wanted to see. And, you know, God said, I'll pass in front of you. You know, you can look back. You can see the glory, but you're not going to see my face. You can't see that. But, like, it's like that manifestation of God, Lord, your glory. Like, you just want to see it. Just to, again, to step back and just watch your work and watch the great things you do. Like, it's awesome. And then the timelessness of it, you know, forever. Like, it should never be old watching God work. It should never be like this thing we get used to. We get just, eh, we take it for granted, you know, like, ah, yeah, God did something else cool. Like, like really be like in the moment every time God does something amazing and really just get excited about it. And, of course, last words, amen, affirmation, you're just, making it all like that whole thing. And so I, I just wanted to do that, like to show you what I was thinking with uh, the Lord's Prayer, just um, walking through it. And again, I, I would encourage you, you know, like read that every night this week. Just kind of meditate through it, you know, like read through it, see what God's speaking to you. Um, and again, I just think it just gives us a microcosm of prayer, you know, like focus on God first, who he is, and then and then come in and say, okay, Lord, now that I've reminding myself how great you are, now I come in with my request because I know that you're listening to me and I know that you're going to answer me and I know that, you know, if I ask for just simple things, I, I got them. All right. All right, so now we're going to jump over to the one specific part of that. Um, your will be done. And that's where I want to just kind of close this out. And that's eight facts about God's will. Um, or eight things, you know, just wherever you want to put there. Um, and I want to tie in some other scriptures. I thought this was, I don't know, it's kind of, it really revealed some things to me that how God's will is, you know, mentioned throughout the New Testament several times. Um, and, and the first time is, we're not, not, I'm sorry, not the first time. Um, but the first time I have in my notes, let me, I'll start, let me delete that statement. Just, is that right there in... Uh, what we just read, Matthew 6, verse 10. Pray for God's will to be done on earth. And that's the first thing. You know, when you're, when you're asking for God's will to be done, say, God, we need your will done here on earth. 
Okay? First step. God, I want your will done on earth. Second step, John 4, 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So Jesus is basically saying, you know, right before this, the disciples had said, you know, Jesus, you haven't eaten, man. You need to eat. Like, I know you're hungry. You're like, we've been with you. You're not eating. Eat. And like Jesus always is snappy comebacks. I love it. Okay. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. I'm good. Like, I mean, just, it would be just cool to hang out with Jesus to get some of them little, I mean, you have to admit, like he had some witty one-liners. There had to be times like the disciples were like, Really, man? I mean, we're trying to offer you some food, and you're just going to, like, like. And what he's saying here is, like, nourishment. What really, really fuels us and, and sustains us? It's not that cheeseburger you're going to have for lunch. It's not the chicken, really. Like, that might bring you some temporary satisfaction to your taste buds and your belly. But what really fuels you is to do God's will. And that's something that's going to bring a complete fullness to your life. It's not going to cause you any heartburn. It's not going to cause you any stomach aches. That's going to bring complete fulfillment, nourishment to your life, doing the will of God. And that should be something we focus on every day. And next slide, I put, you know, the second part is like, make doing that a daily meal. You know, you wake up, you think, okay, uh, what do I want to eat today? You know, maybe you meal prep. But like, Part of that, what really is going to fuel me today is I want to seek what God has for me today. Yes, I might have a nice breakfast. I might have some yogurt and a bowl of cereal and an orange or some waffles. But it's, throughout the course of the day, what our main nourishment is, is I want to feast on God's will for me. Because I know that's the thing that's going to fulfill me the most. That's what's going to drive me. That's the gasoline in my engine that's fueling me to do what God wants me to do. Jump to John 5.30. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Point three, seek God's will just like Jesus did it. He said, I can do nothing on my own. I seek not my own will. And I can almost guarantee it, if, I mean, if you're like me, there, there are times that coffee on my nose. There are times that you are in a tug of war with something you want to do and something you feel like God's wanting you to do. And you're kind of going, oh. and a lot of times we, we fail. We kind of go, you know what? I deserve this. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go over to so-and-so's house maybe and do that. I, I know God's asked me maybe to go do something over here, or, but I, I don't want to do you know, or maybe, I mean, even a simple one like, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to step on some toes. <laughs> you could see somebody in the church that looks like they could use a word, a hug prayer, just a smile, but you don't know them, or maybe they, you know, I don't know. And then you look over here, and you see a couple friends you haven't talked to in a while, and you're like, man, I really, 
it's like I feel like I should go talk to that person. I don't know what to say. I don't know them, and I don't, you know, I don't have the right words. And ask someone else to do it. You go over and talk to your friend. And like in that moment, like, what would Jesus have done? You know, the true WWJD. What would Jesus have done? Because a lot of times that's what he did. He the disciples would be over here, and he just be over there like, what's he doing? And then the Pharisees would be like, look at him, he's hanging out with sinners. Look, and. And I think we, we miss that sometimes. We need to go hang out with some sinners. We need to talk to sinners. We need to encourage sinners, smile at sinners. Um, and I feel like that's, that's what Jesus is saying here. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't come to do my will. My will might be to come and go, I can, if I go over here, I'm going to laugh, I'm going to smile, we're going to have a good conversation, joke around, da, da. if I go over here, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be difficult. This person looks like they're going through something. What if it's something I'm not, you know, what if they tell me, you know, they're, they're getting abused by their spouse. I've never been through that. What, I don't know what to say. But we have to have faith that if you're a walking child of God, that you're going to get the word. And sometimes it doesn't even take perfect words. It just takes words or ears to listen that you're just like, what, what's going on? And they can just get it out and cry to you and you can encourage them, pray with them. You know, there's, there's no perfect manual that, uh, oh, let me get the manual out of page, what, what are you going through again? Let's see, man. Okay, let me, let, hold on. Like, no, there's no, there's no manual for this. Like, sometimes you just need to just go in faith and say, the Holy Spirit will, will give me the words to say. And again, sometimes it just might be, they just need to talk. There are people going through stuff, they just want to talk, they just want to be heard, that someone actually cares. Are you going to lock, you're going to lock eyes with me and listen to me? Because no one does. That's what, that's what some people feel. No one cares. No one's going to listen to me. And sometimes it's hard because you feel like, well, I'm, I'm missing it. I'm missing the laughs and the good time. But God's saying, yeah, but they need love too. They need encouragement too. And we, I mean, rabbit hole. Um, the woman at the well, I mean, like, there's so many things about that story that, like, Jesus went to a Samaritan woman, and it's like, he shouldn't have been, you know, it's a woman. It's like, there's so many things, it's like, kind of like, maybe, whoa, whoa, whoa. And there's God, or Jesus went right over to her. What's up with you? And, like, kind of calls out her sin. I mean, like, you do that nowadays, like, psh, I mean, you're, you're going to be talked about. But, and disciples come back, and they're like, man, what are you doing? It's like, yeah, it's like, and he did a, just an unbelievable great thing in that woman's life. And that's something that God wants us to do the center, sit down, talk, listen, and watch God do something great. Ephesians 5, 17. Or, I'm sorry, I didn't change my note. 15 through 18. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And here it's saying, understand what the will of the Lord is. The only way you can understand the will of the Lord for your life is spend time with God and ask Him. I can't tell you what the Lord's will is for your life. You can't tell me what He is for my life. The only way you find that out is to get in God's presence and say, Lord, 
I need to understand this. And I put this whole section, well, the end I put specifically because when we get, when, it's, when you're drunk, what happens with your thoughts? They they're, they're kind of get a little loose. You don't think clearly. You make dumb decisions. So this is saying understanding what the Lord is. It's hard to understand things when you're drunk. When, you, when you're drunk and someone has a conversation with you the next day, you're still, I don't even remember what I'm talking about. So it's like, I, I think that was important to put there at the end because it's like to understand something, you really need to be clear and, and like focused. In the beginning, it's like careful how you walk because... You don't want to walk as the unwise, but the wise. Like, people are watching you. People are watching how you walk. People are watching, are you living this thing out? Are you, are you the real deal? And if you're hanging out with, with fools and not making the best use of your time and you're allowing yourself to be drawn into evil, you know, there's that fine line. You know, Jesus, yes, he went and talked to sinners, but he didn't go to, to just join in. He came to kind of give them hope and hopefully pull them out of that. He wanted to change your life. He didn't go in and say, you know what, I'll, I'll send with you guys for a couple days. Let's do it. Like, that wasn't the point. So when you're walking, walk as someone that's wise. You know, make the best use of your time. That's, that's another thing I think we're all guilty of is sometimes we, we just, we let opportunities pass, we put things off, and, you know, it's like, you know, there's a chance to, to kind of radically change someone's life, spend some time with them, and we just, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next month, I'll do it, and all of a sudden the person's gone. They're, you know, you never know when that person comes into church that you might not see them again. You know? You see somebody, you're like, man, I really, I really feel like I need to get talked to them. I'll talk to them next time I see them in church. Gone. Might be moved out of town, go to a different church. Who knows? So next, next slide. We have, pray for it to be done on earth as in heaven, make it our daily bread, seek it as Jesus did, understand it. Don't just think like, well, I'm doing God's will because I'm, I'm praying every day and I'm reading my Bible. That might not be it. I mean, he might have a specific path that he's trying to get you on and you're just like, eh, I'm not, I'm good. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. Or I'm in, or God forbid, I'm in God's will because I'm reading my Bible and I didn't murder anybody today. God's will isn't that this simple. And I've said this before too, and I just feel led to say it again now. Like, if, if, if this is, let's just picture this as a sin bubble. This is where all the sin's going on over here. And here's you, and God wants to take you down this path. A lot of us, what we do is we look, we're, we look, for the sin, we look at the sin bubble, and we're watching all the bad stuff go on, we watch people talk about each other and, and murder and, and you know, cheat on each other and steal from each other and do all this bad stuff. And you're just like, and the day's over and you go, I didn't sin today. I didn't go get in the bubble. But did you do anything for God's will? No. God's will just simply doesn't mean I don't sin. That's not the goal every day. The goal isn't to lay down at night and go, well, I didn't sin today. I didn't sin. That's not the point. God's not trying to get you just to not sin. He's trying to get you to do His will. And His will means you've got to move. You've got to live. When you're doing God's will, you're not going to sin. It's not, you don't have to worry about it. And I love this one. Ephesians 6.6. 6. 
Fafnuwe, sorry, I didn't change my name to Darius. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor with their eye, when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. All right, so let's doing the will of God from your heart. And again, it's, you know, just like that there. If your heart's still looking at your former life or the sin life, and you think the goal is just to avoid it, no. Where's your heart at there? Your heart's kind of still there. Your heart's still reaching towards that sin, and you're forcing yourself just to kind of stay away. The will of God needs to be done with your heart, like really seeking it, searching it, going after it. Like, and we, and you can't, you can fake that. This is the one thing I see. You can, you can fake out people around you. You can't fake God on them. People look like you good, man. They're going after that with their whole heart. Are they? I mean, it may appear to you, but they might not be. They may be doing it and then going to him going, man, a lot of people saw what I did today. I felt good about that, man. I got my picture on the, they took my, they got my picture, man. Got 57 comments. Is that the heart? Going after God's will, or is that kind of you going after God's will, or you going after fame, riches, whatever? And I put that beginning, like, let's, let's remove the words, like, slaves there, and just think of being a a worker, an employee, or, you know, you're serving somebody that's, you know, like in any capacity. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to do, and I'm, I mean, I used to be terrible at this, especially when I'm in a couple jobs. We really have to think at your, at your job like that, you're serving God, not your boss. You really have to have that mindset, because if not, you're going to get offended and hurt all the time. And you're going to feel like you're not getting what you deserve, and you're not, you know, you're not getting treated right. It's it's so easy, and if you really can grab a mindset and a heart of I'm serving God when I do this job, I want Him to be pleased with me. I want to go. I want to leave my job, clock out, and have God go. You did good today. Even if your boss looks at you and goes, you know, you're terrible, and I'm, and I'm one more slip up, and I'm. You know, I'm tired of you smiling at people. I'm tired of you trying to talk about, like, he might be telling you you're a pile of crap. And God might be saying, you did great. It's possible. And it's getting personal on me now. It's, I'll shift over here. You're, God's still asking you to treat that person with love and respect. Even if your boss is a jerk, he's saying, treat him with love, honor, and respect. Do it for me. They, don't, they might not deserve it. And you're thinking, well, I mean, surely this isn't what God has for me. It could be. It could be. 
he could still have you in that job because you might be making a difference to people around you. Even if you're getting treated like crap by your boss, making a difference to people around you, therefore you're right in God's will. Don't confuse that. Well, if I'm in God's will, I must, I'm going to be treated like gold and walk around smiling and happy. No, 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 no. That doesn't mean that. Serving God in his will might mean you face trials, temptations, persecution. And all God's saying is, from your heart, honor me. From your heart, honor the people I put around you. Even if they treat you like crap, honor them and respect them. I just love that line, doing the will of God from your heart. I, I don't think I've ever read that line like before, like I did. Like, it just was like, wow, have I read that before? I mean, sure I have, but it just seems so different. Um, and that's where that last part comes in. You know, the Lord's going to reward each one for the good they do. And if you're faithful, if you're faithful through that persecution and trial, man, God is going to reward you. And, I mean, there's people that might be saying, I, I've been waiting for 20 years and God ain't rewarded me yet. Put your treasure then in heaven. Like saying, God, you're going to, man, you're going to, like when I get to heaven, there's just so much unbelievable goodness that I can't even comprehend it. That might be, you know. And, and you think about Paul, you know, the guy beaten and tortured and put in jail and, starved, and shipwrecked. And all that was in God's will. He wasn't out like, whoops, man, whoops, how did I end up on a ship? I messed up. No, that's where God wanted him. And what was he doing? He was talking about God on the, you know, on the ship, like telling him, prophesying about him. Man, we're going to lose all this stuff or no one's going to die. Who's this guy? Like, sure enough, they reckoned no one died. It gets out there. It just—it's a hard one, I think, for us to understand. But I'm asking you, as, a, as an employee or someone that's working for somebody, if you have to change your mindset, say, "I'm doing my job for God today. I'm not doing it for my boss. I'm not doing it for man. I want to honor God with my job." Next slide. So we have: pray for it to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Make it a daily meal. Seek it as Jesus did, understand it, do it from the heart. Next slide. 1 Peter 2, 15, 16. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Do good and put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And I kind of said a little bit, but there's times you're going to be doing something in God's will that to the world or people around you are like, what? Like, whispering behind your back, like, this is, this is not what God does. But you know in your heart, I'm doing what God wants me to do. And it'll put the silence eventually, the naysayers and the doubters. And that's, that's, a, that's like a, I mean, you hate to say sometimes we, we, you know, we do one of these, like, like sometimes it's great that you're doing something you know God's telling you to do it. And you're like, you're just walking it out. And you're facing the back talking and the, the whispering and the finger pointing and snickers and you're an idiot. And like, <laughs> you're, you're going to fall flat on your face. And, and all of a sudden, man, God pulls you to it and everyone goes, bro. 
and you just want to turn around and know, you want to do a lot of things, but keep walking, smiling, and go. Yeah, I can, I can get personal in that one too. And <laughs> Christine's like, "Yep," but I won't. Uh, like, I, I just get back real quick. Just that last part. Live as people who are free. Remember, when you're free in Jesus, you're in a life where, like, you're living, like, when you're living by the Holy Spirit, man, it's like, each day can be an adventure. There's, there's, there's no routine. There's no, like, ah, just, you know. It's like you're living a life where you're really free, and it's, it's exciting, and it's fun. And I say, you know, it's like, we, we talk about this a lot too, but like, too often, that line says it, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, which means you're not going out, walking, living in sin, and then going, well, God forgives me, so I can do this. I just want to keep living this life because you know, I'm, I'm free. God, God, God forgives me. That's not what it's... Saying, don't use that freedom. God's setting you free, taking the chains off, that you can go live this life in freedom and joy and love and all these things. He's not putting the chains on you for you to walk over and then come back and go, put the chains back on, please. Getting set free, like, I mean, it's, You don't, if you're incarcerated, you don't take somebody, hey, we're going to let you out. Oh, so I can go out and then come right back in? No, we're going to let you out. Freedom. To most people, that's a, no one telling you what to do anymore, no one telling you when you can eat, when you can sleep, lights are out, you can't go, like, no freedom. You can go out free. And most people think, man, I want, like, freedom. But too many people just want to go out and they don't get it. They just want to go right back to living in that sin. You come to an altar, you're, you're, you're bound up with whatever it is. And it's like the mentality, like if you're, if you're dealing, let's say pornography, you got a pornography, I mean, terrible. It's all you think about. You're at work thinking about pornography. You're at home, you want to sneak away like pornography. Come to an altar and you say, God, I believe this word. You're gonna, I, I want to be set free, forgiven of this pornography. You pray it and believe it. And when you walk out the door, is your mindset, I can't wait to get him and turn on the por- 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 uh, pornography because I'm forgiven? Or is it, even though I'm tempted, I'm not going to do that because I believe God is working in me and I'm not, I'm not going to fall into that anymore. That's what it should be. The heart should be saying, God's setting me free from this thing. I don't want to do it anymore. Therefore, I, I believe that's what God's going to do. Not, oh, you mean I, I can still watch it and be forgiven for it? Oh, okay. It's just taking advantage of the mercy and grace. Next slide. Live it. Live God's will. Walk it out. Don't use it as an excuse to live in sin. 
Walk the walk, talk the talk. Next slide. 1 Timothy 2, 3, 4, this is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That word desire there is basically, in the Greek, just a little branch off of the same word as will. So he wills everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, just to wrap things up time-wise, if God's will is everyone to be saved, then our will should line up with that. And if you know someone that's not, then, man, I'm not saying you, it's like your job, like, but I would feel that that's a place where you need to plant some seeds. Doesn't mean you have to bobble thump them. Better believe this thing. But it means you just you talk about God when you can. Talk about the goodness of God. You walk in joy. You try to be, you know, be a godly person around them. Motive, you know, like show them like what God's done. Because that, if God wants them saved, everyone to be saved, then we should want everyone to be saved too. You know, not this like, well, they're God. They go to hell. I don't care. You know? No matter what we think, every person we see and talk to is a creation of God. Every person created the image and likeness of God. No matter what evil they've fallen into, no matter how much they've hurt you, no matter what kind of horrible person you think they are, they're still an image and likeness of God. God's saying, I want them saved too. Next slide. All to be saved. God's will, all to be saved. All right, last point. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Again, we don't have to go down all kinds of rabbit holes here. Avoid sexual immorality. We just make it black and white. Husband, wife, sexual, okay. Not husband, not wife, not sexual, okay. Back up just one second. Control your body in a way that is holy and honorable. And that, I mean, especially I think in our younger people, you know, younger people, like, is is probably one of the hardest things. Let's face it, I mean, we've all we were all thirteen to eighteen, twenty at one point, and it's hard to control your body. It's hard to live holy and honorable. It's hard. And the world is not going to back it up. TV shows are not going to back it up. The internet's not going to back it up. Social media is not going to back it up. They're going to push it the opposite way. They're going to push them to be unholy and unhonorable. And they're going to tell them it's okay. Schools will give them condoms and go, go ahead. Just, just you know, here. It's okay if you have sex. Go ahead. God's will is for you to be sanctified. God's will, again, is not for you to be like, oh, okay, I'll just walk in forgiveness. I can go out and do whatever I want. No, God's will is that you be wholesome, honorable. Think about the person real quick. Think about the person, because all of us probably can name at least one person. Think about that person that you really just can't say anything bad about. I'm not going to do it. But think about 
that person, why do you think that about them? Why do you say they're honorable or, or holy or whatever you say good about them? Just, I mean, I'm not telling you, you know, but I mean, there has to be something about that person that makes you want to think, well, man, and what it usually is is because they live in an honorable, holy way. They hold themselves in a, you know, you look up to them almost. I don't care about age way. I'm saying the way they live, you're like, man, they live how I want to live. They live how I want my kids to live. Like, that's a role model for me. That's a role model for my family. Like, they are honorable. They, they, don't, they don't cuss every other word. And, you know, they're not, just, they're just, they're good people. They're like seeking after God. They're living godly. They're encouraging. They're smiling. They're full of, seems, joy and peace. Last slide. Or, I mean, next slide. I'm sorry. God's will, final point of eight, that your temple is kept holy. So the final thing, there's one more slide, right? Um, how do I do this? Like, we, we kind of tie it all up, you know. I, wanna, I want God's will. I want to seek after it. I want what God has for me. I'm tired of my old life, and I've, I've looked over here, and it's like, okay, I've lived my will for X amount of years. Now I want to live God's will. How do I do it? What, and I think Romans 12, 1 and 2 kind of, it's like, sums it up in a lot of ways. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transferred by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So notice that then is kind of a transition. All this, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Because let's face it, there's no... There's no lighted path. There's no moment that God's going to show up in your bedroom and be like, you're on the path, finally. There's no concrete, real moment. It has to be a heart, faith walk. And there's going to be times you're like, I don't know, I mean, am I really serving God? I don't know, maybe I'm not, am I missing it? Am I on the wrong path? And, and like, this is telling you right here. First of all, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing God. Are you... Back to the Lord's Prayer. Are you saying to God, I want your will, not mine? Are you declaring that? God, I want your will, not mine. From the heart, meaning it. God, I want your will, not mine. This is your true and proper worship. That's what, like, we sometimes think, what pleases God? What's God want? Does he want me to read my Bible every day for at least 20 minutes? Does he want me to pray for like 20 minutes? Does he want me to, uh, you know, da, da, da. You know what God wants? He wants your heart. Because when God has your heart, you'll do all those things. You don't have to have a checklist of things you need to do to make God happy. You'll just do them. You'll want to read your Bible. You'll want to pray. You'll want to turn on some worship music. You'll want to listen to K-Love or, or Spirit. You'll want to talk clean, like better. You, don't, you won't want to say the F word every sentence. You'll want to say good things to people instead of being like, look at them and walk away and talk bad about them. You'll want to do nice, you'll want to do those things. And Conforming to the pattern of this world be transformed. That, that's so, like, it's amazing that this was written how long ago, but you read that line and you think of today's world. Conform to the pattern of this world. Like, there's, you think there's no way the world back then was as bad as it is now. Like, I mean, I don't know, maybe it was. But the pattern of this world, what's the pattern of the world now? You think about some things. Social media driven. 
we've become a society where we like to tear each other down. We like to gossip. We like to be, like I said, we like to hold on to anger. We don't want to forgive. You know, we don't want to like, we don't want to do the nice thing. We don't want to go out of our way to do something nice for somebody. We don't want to, you know, we, everyone has to deserve it. And it's saying transform the renewing of your mind. Sometimes, I mean, it's, it's tough. You really have to sit down and say, I got, I got to, I got to re, I need to re, reset this thing. Just like a computer, or cell phone, some, you, know, you just do a factory reset. Because sometimes I think the problem is we become so ingrained, the world has molded us into a certain way of thinking. And we, we just, we stand on that thing. We stand on it. And then and it's, somebody says, well, no, that's not right. Well, yeah, it is. Why? Well, I've always felt that way. That doesn't mean it's right. Sometimes your, your mind needs to be reprogrammed, reset. And most of the time, it's, it's not our fault. This is why it was so important back, especially, you know, when God's first calling the Israelites, Israelites out, and he's like, teach your children the law. Teach them. Write it everywhere. They can see it. Put it on the doorpost. Put it on the Teach your kids. Raise them up into this thing. Because if you don't, someone's going to. And this is what it's saying. We, we become a, a lot of us raised with terrible mindsets. And then we're okay with it because it just it seemed normal. And it, you have to renew your mind to say, God, I'm willing to say everything I've learned at this point, I'm willing to let it go. And now I'm going to come in and say, I want you to teach me. Holy Spirit, you teach me. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go here. I, I hope I don't like, but you know, Vess, Stubbs. There are people brought up. What we're we're supposed to not like each other because I'm white or you're black. There are people brought up like that, and a lot of times it's not their fault. That's what they've known. That's what they've learned, and we have to be willing to say. No, they're not a bad person simply because of their skin color. You have to do that yourself. You can't be willing to say, well, well, my society and my, my background, my heritage, they, I, no, it's wrong. Or we look at other doctrine, other religions, and say, well, I've always heard, I mean, Catholics, I mean, they're, they're just evil. Are they really evil? Like, I mean, yes, there's some doctrinal differences, but like, if we grow up in that mindset, and then as soon as you run into a Catholic, you're going to be like, oh, you're going to hell. There are things that we have been just grounded in in our life. You know, we have angry parents or parents that are just abusive, and therefore we grow up into that thinking, that's normal, that's okay. It's not. Reprogram your mind to say, I'm not going to be that. I have to, I have to rechange this thing. That's the only way then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is. Because if you're going into it with a grounded mindset of something that's not in God's will, it's hard to really walk in God's will. I mean, if you're like, well, I, I, this is what I believe, and that's, that's not going to change. God, God can't, he, he's, he can't use that. You're, if you have an evil something in there that's just grounded in, this is what I believe, and I'm, I'm not going to change. God's like, well, I mean, I want you to do my will, but it's going to be hard for me you do my will if, you're, if that's your mindset. Sorry, I've went a little long today.
God's will. I, I, I just... Let's, let's, can we close this out the way we started it? Let's read Lord's Prayer together. And again, it's Matthew 6, verse 9, that's where it starts. And I just want to read it kind of slow and take a second to like just... Think about who we're praying to right now and think about your own life and think about are you serving God? Are you seeking God's will? And too often, I, you know, I, just to real quick, we think God's will means that some radical, drastic thing has to happen in your life that all of a sudden he's, he's going to call you to live in Siberia. Like, I don't want to live in, like, God's will doesn't necessarily mean he's going to, like, transition you out of your home and take, like, sometimes we get in this fear, like God's will means something radical, crazy, and I, I'm comfortable, I don't want to, that's, that's not it. He, he, there are times he might, I'm not saying, but for the most part, he wants to use you where you're at. His will is, he's put you, he's gotten you this far, he wants to use you where you're at. Now, let's, let's just tinker a few things and get you going. Don't be afraid of God's will. It'll bring you the greatest joy and satisfaction. If you think, well, I got a good job right now, I got a blah, blah, yeah, you haven't experienced it if you're really not seeking God's will. Are we ready? Let's just start with our Father. So ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we also forgive our trespassers. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. First things first for altar, if you, if, you, if you don't know, if you've never received, accepted God as your Savior, and you're like, well, I mean, first things first, you can't really get on the path to working God's will unless you've accepted him. You said, God, I, you know, I want to live for you. I believe you're my Savior, and you have the best plan you have for me. If, we, if you've never taken that step, we need to pray today. That's the first thing, salvation. God wants all saved, part of his will. If you're not saved, if you're like, today's, I don't know, maybe I'm not, please come up here and pray with us. Please come up here and pray. But also, if you really can say to yourself, I'm not seeking after God at all, I'm not, I'm not living for him, my will has been my own, then we need to pray for that too. Because I know there's people in here that, just how many people were in here today? 70, 80, but like, if even just us in here today were really on a track of God's will, we could do some amazing things in our area. Amazing things. 
There's people from all over the area here. I can I'm, I don't even I don't even know where most of you live, but I I can assure you we're not just within a mile of the church. You know we're spread out. And if we'd all just say, okay, God, I want your will done, man, we this church can do some incredibly powerful. We do a lot of good things, but I'm saying we could do even more individually. So if, if you need to pray for that, please come up here. Like, you know, Pastor Fred's going to be up here. I'm going to be up here. Christina will be up here. Whoever else, like, once if you feel led, to, like, literally. If you feel led, you want to pray with somebody, pray with somebody. See somebody up here, if it comes up, pray with, grab, grab them and pray with them, okay? So I'm going to pray, and then we'll open up these altars if anyone wants to come up. Lord, we just thank you for, for creating us, for loving us, for, for having a plan and a purpose for us, Lord. You didn't just create us to take up a spot on the earth. You didn't just create us to exist. Lord, you created us to, to serve you, to love you, to honor you, and then in turn to love and honor each other. Lord, I know each person here, is, there's, there's an opportunity for us to, to love on somebody, to encourage somebody, to smile at somebody, to forgive somebody. Lord, remind us this week to do something that we're not comfortable with. Remind us, Lord, to step out of our comfort zone and do something that you would want us to do, Lord, to, to go and speak to somebody that we don't know or that we're not comfortable with or to forgive somebody that we've been holding on to something or to make things right, to reach out and maybe apologize or Lord, too many of us, we're walking around holding on to things. We're walking broken. We're walking hurting. We're walking defeated. And Lord, I know your will is not for any of those things. It's not for anybody to walk around with their head staring at the floor. It's not to heart to be broken. But Lord, you want us to walk in joy, peace, victory. Lord, I pray that if there's one today that doesn't know you, they'll They'll come today and we'll get to know who their father is. And Lord, maybe there's one or five that ten that need to say, I need to surrender. Lord, that they know they're living for themselves, not for you. Lord, I know we can do great things. You've created us to do great things. Lord, we just ask you take us home safe today. Let your will be done in our lives. Lord, we just come humbly and thank you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.